Why radical? Because it takes radical to reach the world that has become numb to anything. It takes an aggressive kind of faith, an assertive kind of faith to a world that has been inundated with a lots, of, lots of impressive visuals. God wants you to be able to go to any store, any classroom, lay hands that the blind will see and the lame will walk. I've had people ask me, are miracles only going to happen in the foreign field like the Philippines? Or China, because a lot of times we hear about great miracles over there. Do you know that in the last 10 years alone, there has been noted miracles within the United States. Where doctors have said cancer has disappeared, arthritis is gone, mental illness has been lifted. This is, this is not something that it's made up by a particular denomination. This is real and it's in the midst of us, but we need to pursue it. We need to want it. The young people, youth and, and student ministry, you know, young people want to see the real deal God more than a lot of talk. They do. And doctrine and commandments, they are important. Teaching is, of course, important. Discipleship and the word of God, it's more important than anything else. It's doctrine that will save you, you know. That's what Jesus said. But the young people... They want to see Jesus at work. They want to see salt and light. They don't want to see a nominal Christianity. They're tired of it. They get nominal everything around them. In school and in their private life. They want to see a changed life. They want to see radical transformation. Because our younger generation wants to see it. So they can convince others what they've seen. They want to see blinded eyes. So you know what? When I go to Kroger's, those days I went, went, went to shopping, Pastor, because I needed to get rice, flour, and some sugar. But God told me, your priorities are so messed up, Bonnie. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, people go to groceries, go to grocery stores to get groceries. How's my... He says, no, you need to go to places so that they will see salt and light. And while you're there, you can get your groceries. My husband, you know, he's... I'm passionate about this, but my husband lives, eats, and extremely passionate about this. And Pastor Gene knows that. He, he lives it, sleeps it. I think he talks in tongues in his sleep. But you know what? When he goes to get his prescription filled, the other day he went to see a doctor for something. I, it took so long that I had to go and knock on the doctor's door and see what's happened to them, you know. I said, I'm just checking. Is my husband Okay. And the doctor was on his knees. So I said, what's going I already knew what was going on. I thought, oh no. You're supposed to come here to get better. Not to pray people through the Holy Ghost. What are you, Christian or something? So my husband just said, hey, Bonnie, come on in. We were just talking about Jesus. I'm like, I'm not surprised. And the doctor was praying in tongues. And God had filled him with the Holy Ghost. God wants to do that. Not just on a Sunday morning. It'll be a sad day when we only see stuff happen on a Sunday. But during lunch this afternoon would be neat. There are people that want to see that. And your young people want to see that. So they will be gripped and, and, and transformed. 
to this cause. John chapter 9, 1 to 9. Thank you, Pastor, for having me come. We love you and Sister Jean. And you've got a great church. I asked somebody, is it because they're renovating the other place? Is somebody putting a carpet in your main sanctuary? And they said, no, we are grew the main sanctuary. And I was like, oh my God, what? Oh, that's great. Every church needs to have a basketball court. <laughs> and every church needs to gather here because you outgrew it, not because you're repainting the walls. That is so cool. I'm going to post it on Facebook or something. I'm like, they're worshiping at the basketball court because they don't have seats in the main sanctuary. Get it? That is just, it just, I'm just so excited of that, that. John chapter 9, 1 to 9. Okay, let's get with this. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, my voice is totally shot. So I hope you can hear me and make out what I'm trying to say. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, <laughs> this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Can you imagine? This just kind of, I don't know whether it makes me happy or annoys me, this scripture. But there was somebody who was blind. Jesus was passing by. I know Jesus was going to do something so the guy could see and everybody. But the, Bible, the, the disciples wanted to talk about doctrine. If I was Jesus, maybe that's why I'm not. But if I was Jesus, I was like, the guy has a need for crying out loud. Who cares who sinned? Lay your hands and pray him through. You don't, have, you don't need a whole history lesson of where he came from. He's blind. He needs to see. That's all you need to know. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus rolling his eyes. No, he didn't do that. I would have, but Jesus did. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus was saying, look, the devil is not to be faulted for every bad thing that's going on. Sometimes I just might have allowed it so that my glory can be seen. Sometimes when there's a storm, stop giving the glory to Satan. Maybe you can say, God, I have a feeling you're behind this storm. So that you can say, peace be still, and you get the glory. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work that the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming, when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, sort of made it, made it just like he made us. With, you know, we are clay. Some of us probably needed to be spat at. <laughs> like me, for example. He spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And this is what I want you to notice. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen this blind man begging said, Is not this he who sat and begged? 
I want people to see me and say, what's happened to you? You used to be sort of sitting on the fence like Christian, but something has got a hold of you. You're changed. You're smiling a bit more. And I know you're not high on anything. Sorry, I just was saved from the world. <laughs> so I say things. I want to shock you, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like your neighbors think that you're friendlier than you usual. You actually notice the neighbors. They're like, you're talking to me? <laughs> you're actually nice to your boss when he snarls at you. You're not picking on people. You've just severed that gossip chain. You have forgiven the people sitting on the fourth aisle or the fourth row or whatever. You've just gone and said, I'm tired of just feeling bad about you. I'm, I'm, I'm hugging you, not because I like you, but I love you, okay? Is not this the one that sat and begged? Some said, yeah, that's him. Others said, I don't know, he sure looks like him. And then he said, hey, it is me. I know how I looked yesterday. I know what I did yesterday. But Jesus came passing by. I was blind. Now I see. I am he. You may be seated. God wants to finish what he's began in you. You know, this morning at Sunday school, we talked about courageous joy. I want some of us here. How many here you want courageous joy to fill your heart by the time you're home? How many here you want people that have said, you know, and people that you're reaching out to, even family members, cousins, uncles, aunts, co-workers, student body, whoever, your boss, who you think is beyond reaching. <laughs> I used to have a boss like that, but... That, that you, you want them to notice such a difference that even without you saying a word, they're kind of following you around. They kind of want you to counsel them. They may not need, or they, they do need, but they may not want your Jesus yet. They want you. That's a good sign. Sometimes don't ever, you know, get, I, I'm a soul winner, you're a soul winner, but we should not be so soul-minded we forget to be people-minded. Maybe they just sort of want to, you know, I, I was checking out groceries just the other day. These days, I check out groceries and I stand there. If there's nobody else waiting behind me, I don't want to be a pain. But if there's nobody else waiting behind me and I'm the only one, I strike up a conversation. I'm like, what's your name? And she says, oh, well, I said, you know, I just want to pray with you. Is your manager around? She says, no, good, then I'll pray with you. I don't want them to lose their job because I'm, Trying to share Jesus with them, please. That's not going to make them come to church. <laughs> There's a restaurant we go to sometimes when, I, when I'm, you know, that day I'm not cooking or whatever, my husband and I. We go there, main reason, not really to eat. It's not the best food. 
But there's a bunch of waitresses there just love to circle our table and talk about everything. They keep coming. They'll tell them about their husband, their ex-husband, their ex-stepfather, child and whatever and addiction in their family and just circle. I just want to go there, have something to eat, go home, sleep <laughs> sometimes. And my husband is like, Bonnie, she's coming one more time. I'm like, I just want to eat. <laughs> we talked to her last week already. I know y'all think I'm spiritual. My husband is the spiritual side. And he's like, come on, you know. And, and she comes over. My husband's like, want to scoot in by my wife? So she... <laughs> And I'm like, sure. She sits down and she, he says, your boss around? No, good. Give me your hand. And people get the Holy Ghost in restaurants. And my husband says, baptistry is just around the corner. When do you finish work? We'll come pick you up. My wife will pick you up. I will. Sure. He's either praying doctors through the Holy Ghost or the pharmacist or whatever. I just don't like taking him around these days. You go by yourself, honey. Not really. Not really. We do it together. We're just crazy. And we're desperate. And we're slightly sort of in this expectant mode. He's coming back soon. And we've got very little time to do a lot of work. When God wants to complete a process of refining you, this morning if it's possible or next Sunday or Wednesday when you're having Bible study at the main sanctuary with pastor you will come forth as gold he wants to refine you in this process of testing your faith so if you're in the middle of a test that's when you hang on and don't quit and don't stop and don't become weak in your faith and don't be complacent because the faith in which you believe in will be nothing like it was before. Wouldn't it be nice if your husband said, what's wrong with you? You're so different. You don't slam doors anymore, honey. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I'm just picking on some of my clients, <laughs> I guess. Thank you for being counseling me this morning while I vent. You're all a good therapist. What's, what's the matter, Bob? What do you mean? You're kind of different. You're not snarling at me before church. <laughs> oh, some of the young people are just like, yes. You know, what's, what's the matter? You're different. Your boss, your co-workers. I wasn't born in Pentecost, you know. Maybe that's half my problem. I'd know what to say. I'd know protocol. I don't know protocol. I came from the world. My family, my great-grandfather, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. My, my mother does this family tree thing. My goodness, that tree, so heavy it's going to fall anytime now. You know, and she's got this family tree thing, like a, like a big whatever and files and that's where you come from. She's very proud of it. And we all come from, I came from uh, Hindu priests. My grandfather, great-grandfather, father, his father before him. I don't know how far back it goes. I think she says 19 or 18th century. I'm like, why do you even, they're all dead. 
She said, because we must never forget our lineage. So I was brought up never to forget that I was a daughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter, great-great-granddaughter of Hindu priests. So when I was a baby, they dedicated me to a, in, in a Hindu temple. And from that moment on, I served thousands of idols. Hinduism has 3.3 million gods. Aren't you glad you just have one? And that it's not hard to remember that one name. So when your car breaks down, before you call AA, you can call that name first. That's how we need to begin to live intentionally. Intentionally bringing Jesus into our lives. Not call AA and then pray AA arrives before midnight. And so I, I, I grew up this way, just worshiping idols. Morning, day, noon, and night. Friday was the special day. Friday was where Hindus would go to the temples and pray. But from a young age, I was struck with a disease in my body. Nobody knew what it was. Doctors couldn't figure it out. They thought it was a tumor. Then they changed diagnosis about 10 times. They went through all kinds of treatments and scans. But it was pain in the morning, pain at night. I woke up with pain, went to sleep with pain. I graduated in college and got a job even and worked. But even in my employment, I would just pass out because of this pain. I didn't know what to do. And so... One day, I was sitting in my room. The lights were switched off. Parents were in bed. Everybody was asleep. The house was quiet. But um, several years prior to that, I had neighbors who were Christians, I think. And they used to just send us Christmas cards and invite us for Christmas. And one of these cards had this, this line, Jesus saves So I said, okay, first of all, who's Jesus? Secondly, what does he save? Or who does he save? What does he save me from? I didn't know anything. Nothing. Zero knowledge. Young people, hear me. There's nothing out there that can equal what you've got in here. Nothing. I've been there. I've done it. I've bought the t-shirt. I kept the t-shirt to remind me. I didn't burn that. And so I was in my room and, and my body was racked with pain. You know, they used to prescribe me just painkillers. Because they said and the only way is you knock yourself out of painkillers in order to manage. I mean, I, was, I graduated law school because there were attorneys in my family. My grandfather was a lawyer. My uncles are lawyers. So they just, that's how the, that particular culture in the Indian culture thinks. You know, you, you just follow after. Not just the priesthood, but even the career pathway. So they said, you need to be a lawyer. And I'm like, I don't want to, I want to be an heir stewardess. My father was like, what's that? You going to wait tables in the air? I said, yeah, but I got to see Paris, London, and New York. <laughs> Not really. He thought I was crazy. I just wanted to have a, you know, one, one of those fly everywhere. Now I would beg God so I could be on earth. <laughs> he said, no, you're going to go to law school. So I graduated law school. And I remember when I got 
the job is very, very junior attorney in a, in a very good law firm. And within a week, um, I, I, was, I was trying to do good and everything, but the end of the week, I just passed out in the office on the way to court. You don't keep a job when, you do, when that happens to you. You know, they pitied me and they didn't fire me, but they were like, you need help. I'm like, I need a miracle. That's when I begin to start thinking. So I told my father and mother, we've got to worship. I don't know how many gods, but which God can heal me? Because we've got 3.3 million. Does one of them heal me? Can one of them just get me out of this misery, mom, dad? And they said, well, let's go to India. I wasn't born in India. I was born in another country. But we went, we took all the way, a pilgrimage to all these gods in India. And so we went to this temple. It was a spiral temple. And I said, okay. And they said, well, one of those gods there will do a miracle. I said, well, cool. That's all I want to know. So I ran up the steps. I know you think that is a, this is not some, this really happened. I took off running on those spiral steps. Because when you're desperate, you're willing to do anything, anything even crazy. You're willing to worship anything, get a hold of anything. If you're dying, because God put that survival mode in us. See, we don't quit easy. We, we fight for life. Try to drown a man. He's going to fight you just to breathe. Oh, I just wanted to breathe. I just wanted to live longer than the doctors were giving me. And so I ran up those staircase. Nobody was there. See, in Hindu culture, if the priest is not there, the woman can go into the holy... The Hindu temples are divided into three. Outer court, inner court, holiest of holies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the enemy sees anything good, he wants to copy it. <sighs> He's a counterfeiter. So anyway, um, and so I, I went into the inner court, and there was this big curtain, thick curtain veil. And I just, the priest wasn't around. I'm not supposed to go into the inner court. I'm female. Don't be upset. They've just modernized right now. <laughs> They still don't have female priests, though. <laughs> Who cares? But anyway, and, and, and so I went in, pushed open the veil, and there was this, I don't know how many feet, looked like 10-foot idol to me with many heads, many arms. Looked impressive. I grabbed a hold of that idol and cried out, heal me, heal me. Because... They all are saying that you're very powerful. There was absolutely no response. It didn't hold me back. It didn't see me. Didn't know I was there. Do you know who you serve? At any time. When you're in the middle of a traffic jam. In your car. And you say, Jesus, I'm feeling so stuck in my life. And he just suddenly whoosh, in your car. And he sees you. He knows how you look. He knows what you're thinking. Even if you don't understand, he gets it. He holds your life in his hands. He knows how many of these strands are stuck to your scalp. Do you know who you serve? So, nothing happened, of course. 
all of a sudden, from behind that temple, the top temple, behind there was a little door. The door swung open. And this priest that was a overseer of that temple, Sister Jean, the priest came at me with his raised fist. I knew I was going to die. I thought, where did he come from? And, and why didn't this idol warn me? He came at me, Pastor Jean. He said, how dare you defile how dare you defile this inner temple? You're a woman. You have defiled it. Now this place is dirty. Don't you know that you are dirty? Nothing can save you. I took off running. I didn't want to there for Bible study or anything like that. I'm just, I took off running down those spiral staircase, ran to my parents and said, let's get out of here. And they're like, what's wrong? What's happened? I said, nothing. I didn't want to tell them. Then I'll get another lecture from them. You know, they were priesthood family. You're not supposed to do what I did. I was desperate, so I did it. I'm still got a rebellious streak in me. A little bit. And so, I ran into the car. They drove. We went to the hotel. Next day, we were flying back to Malaysia, where I was born. So, um, and all of that happened. So, this is what I went home with. I am dirty. There is no help for me. There will always be a veil dividing me from my help. I will never have access to healing or God. That's the message I received. That's the message many of us struggle with, whether we are Christian or not. We're still convinced there's a veil. We're still convinced that there is no way with whatever I've done last year, last night, the thoughts I battle with, there's no way that there's this God that's going to be so merciful that he loves me. Some of us, our greatest struggle is to be convinced that that veil has been torn from top to bottom. So I went home and all I could think of echoing in my mind is I didn't have any access. And a couple of nights after I arrived home, I was sitting in my room. The lights were switched off. That's the night I was telling you I mentioned earlier. The house was quiet. Parents were in bed. And I had, I had enough. I tried the gods. I tried religion. Don't be stuck in religion, folks. Have a relationship with Christ. Because you can so easily sit in a church and embrace religion and never embrace this one God who's given you complete access. And so... I was sitting in my room, Sister Jean, and I was wrapped in pain. No healing at all, no matter what I'd done. And then I cried out. I said, Jesus, because of that card. Jesus saves. Well, why not? I got nothing to lose. I'm going to try it. Whoever he is. I am sick. I'm dying. I'm Hindu. Just in case you didn't know, you know. I didn't want to shock him. And I need help. 
I don't know who you are. I don't even know whether I'm talking to anybody right now because, uh, or anything right now because there was nothing. It was just walls in my room. No window even. That particular room didn't have a window, but we had air and everything. And so um, I was just talking and, I, and I, I felt like my words were like lead balloons just going up, falling down again. That it, it, I felt almost foolish, but I was desperate. It's okay to feel foolish and desperate at the same time. Because God was going to look beyond the foolish and answer the desperation. And so what happened was I just cried out. I said, Jesus, come heal me. Take away the pain. And there was this, I don't know where the light come from. There was no window. My light was switched off. It was, it, it was like, a, like a beam and it became bigger and bigger and bigger until the whole room was flooded with a strong, bright light. It was almost blinding. I never saw a face, but I heard a voice as clear as a bell. I am Jesus. I am God. And the pain in my body, if you believe that, you can stand and shout to God because he is here. The pain in my body left in an instant. I was healed. I was healed. No more pain. Can you just lift up your hands right now? We sang about a breakthrough. A breakthrough in my spirit. A breakthrough in my praise. A breakthrough in my life. If you would reach out to this Jesus... Not because an ex-Hindu idol worshiper is telling you to. But because you know that he is that one God that has come through for you. When you even least expected him to. Lift up your hands. And right now I want you to pray. Give me a breakthrough. I'm not done yet. But I want you to pause and ask him to give you that breakthrough. That veil has been torn into two. You have complete access to Jesus Christ. Complete access. Ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters. Lift up your voice. Come on. Ask him. Lift up your voice. Let's have a two minute prayer meeting right now. Can we pray in the spirit just for a minute? Let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. You know what that means. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Ask God to give you that breakthrough. Ask God to remove the block from your own mind that you don't have access to Jesus. That's a lie of Satan. It is a lie from hell. Yes, you have access. Yes, you have complete access to God. I come against every spirit of condemnation, every spirit of guilt that is holding some of you back because you've had some thoughts, you've done some things you didn't want to do, you've thought about some stuff you didn't want to think about. I come against that spirit of condemnation and guilt that is forming a wall in your spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
You may be seated. What God wants to do in your lives is going to leave you radically transformed. But you must want it. You must want this radical transformation. The next morning, well, I was on my face that night. After Jesus came and touched me, my pain left. What do you think I did? I renounced everything that I worshipped before him. I was on my face. I don't know how many hours, but when I woke up and I looked at the clock, it was 4 a.m. in the morning. And my encounter with him was about 11 o'clock or just before midnight. I didn't know it was like 15, felt like 15 minutes. But hours had passed and all I did was just talk to him. I didn't know what repentance was. I still didn't know all of the doctrinal complications and uh, implications. I didn't know it was just the beginning of glory, persecution, but glory and glory in persecution. That he had opened a road before me that will transform me. But the next morning reality struck. Well, actually Jesus is the ultimate reality, but we live on this planet. In my room, I forgot next day was Friday. The Hindu holy day where everybody, no question asked, went to the temple. My mother knocked on the door. She looked at, took one look at me and she said, you're not dressed yet. It's 7 a.m. in the morning. We got to go. I said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going today. I feel immediate empathy from all of you to this morning. You haven't even met her. You're like, oh, God, what happened? She was the daughter. She had direct lineage and she was the daughter of the chief priest. The chief priest. Not any one of the priests. It's unthinkable for a daughter or a granddaughter, me, of the chief priest, Hindu priest, to enter into any other religious system, to worship any other god. But I was transformed. In a few minutes, he touched me. And I saw... I didn't know what to do with it at that moment except to enjoy and celebrate and feel hope racing in my heart. So I thought if I told my mother I'm healed, I'm not in pain anymore, she'll be glad and happy. She's a good lady, by the way. She's not a mean person, but she was trained and raised a particular way. That's all she knew. That's all I knew. So she knocked on the door and I said, Mom, I'm not coming to the temple. She said, what do you mean? She said, Mom, I saw God. She said, what? When? I said, last night. She thought, man, the pain's gone to your head now. Now you're sounding schizophrenic. And then she's, I said, no, really. I saw God, and it's Jesus. I know, sometimes too soon, too much. People choke on it, you know. She choked bad. She looked at me, she said, are you out of your mind? We're Hindu. I said, Mom, I'm not in pain anymore. She said, what do you mean? I said, there's no more pain. You're talking about years of pain. Years. She was accustomed to seeing the blind beggar. Is this he? Wasn't he the one that always begged, never could see? Well, it sure looks like him. Sounds like him. We don't know whether it's he or not. And he said, I'm the same person except something 
happened. Something has happened. I can't explain the nuances of what's happened. But it has happened and it's happened to me. I don't know, he said, whether Jesus is good or bad. All I know is I was once blind. But now I see. My mother looked at me and said, no, no, you're, you're just, I don't know what's happened to you. I just Christian friends you're hanging around with. I told you not to hang around with them. And you'd do the same if your son or daughter came to you and said that they were joining some weird. To her, it was weird. To me, it's still weird sometimes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I love it. It's a loving, beautiful weird. <laughs> Jesus called us weird, by the way, peculiar. Yeah. And, and, and she's like, no, 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 we're going to, she said, you know what? I don't know what's happened to you. Something has possessed you. And I don't want you to hang around those Christian friends anymore because I know what they're trying to put ideas in your head. I said, mom, I'm, they didn't tell me this. It just happened. She said, I'm going to the temple. I'm going to bring back some people. We're going to talk to you. I knew she meant bring back. It was all my cousins and uncles. They're all priests. She was bringing the committee. I was like, Lord. Anyway, and then, and then she said, all right, we're bringing back the committee. I said, all right. I said, Lord, can you do what you did last night? Like come in light and everything, scare people? <laughs> because they're not going to believe me. I need your help. Where are you when I'm really in help and need? And so anyway, they came. A couple of priests, my mom, my father. My father was my best friend. He's my best friend. And he understood. But he didn't understand this. He understood everything else about me. Boyfriends, getting in trouble in school. But he understood not this. He just stood in the corner and cried. It's very hard for a woman. If you love your father and your father's crying because you've disappointed him. It's nothing. It's, it's horrible. He just looked at me and went, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sick anymore. Doesn't that mean anything to you? She, he said, it's in your mind. I'm like, no, it's in my body. And then, and, and, and they put me in a seat right here in my living room. And they circled me, the priest. I was very young. And they circled me and they kept, they didn't abuse me and things like that, but they kept pushing me. Renounce Jesus. He's false. He's another God. He's not even God. He's just whatever. Something, the devil has possessed you. Renounce him now. The priests were chanting all kinds of stuff around me. My mother was just sitting in the corner and crying. I think that was more disturbing to me than whatever the priests were doing to me. They said, renounce him. He's a lie. He's not going to help you. You are going to forsake everything. This house, your lineage, property, your name. You'd be cast away from the priesthood. You'd lose your parents. I mean, they were just doing it. All kinds of stuff. They were just chanting and persecuting. And I was just sitting there. And all I felt in my heart. I hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. How great God is. All I felt in my heart was, remember, I healed you. That is real. 
So all in my heart that I kept doing, I was mumbling it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the more they pushed me, and the more they pushed me, and told me to renounce him, I said, Jesus, Jesus. You know, I want to tell you something. Sometimes that's all you can say. Sometimes it's going to get so tough and the trials and your discouragement and somebody dies, somebody has cancer, something happens and all you can say is lie in your bed and go, I don't have the words, but Jesus, 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 but the blood is in that word, the spirit is in that name, the blood is in that name, the word is in that name, all of creative function and force is in that name. I wasn't even a convert. I hadn't been baptized or got the Holy Ghost. I just had repented and promised him that I will follow him and tell the story wherever I go. And I sat in that seat and they circled me and circled me and I kept looking at my dad and my dad just said, say it. Just, just tell them you, you're not going to follow Jesus. Just say it. And my mother glared at me and said, say it. Just say Jesus is false. And the priest got angrier and angrier. And one priest got a hold of my shoulders and just shook me and said, what is wrong with you? And I just looked back and I don't know what he saw on my face. It's just me. I was scared out of my mind. These were adults. I just looked back. He turned around and something he saw, he just drew back. And he turned around, told my mother, you leave her alone. Because whatever she's got is more powerful than whatever I can do. There's no, there's no help. We cannot do anything anymore. Whatever that's got a hold of her is better and stronger than whatever that we can do. I want to tell you, this Jesus wants to transform lives this morning. This is not some, some story that the Sunday school teacher made up when you were a kid in your Sunday school. This is not some coloring book figure that you colored. He's real. And frankly, that was the only time I heard Jesus audibly. I've never heard him audibly since. Now, it's in my spirit, in my mind, a light nudge here, a nudge there, like he talks to you. It's the same Jesus, though. I don't need drama. I don't need a dramatic parting of the waters to believe. He parted the waters for me once, and it's enough. His resume is recorded in 66 books. How much more do we need proof of what he's done? He has showcased his creativity in the stars, in the rainbow, in the sun and the moon, and this beautiful earth around us. He has showcased his power. How much more proof do we need? Is it that we have become so numb that we cannot be excited until he does something dramatic? Well, he may not. Some of you, he may, he may leave or he may heal a sickness or do, or you may even see the dead come back to life. I actually have in, in, in another country. <laughs> I've seen cancer healed. But what if I never saw all that? 
Is my faith going to stand the test of time? Unless God gets to use strobe lights to get my attention. Is that what we need? What God wants to do in my life and your life is going to leave you so transformed that you're skeptics in your life. You know, the cousins, the uncles, the aunts and everybody else. The skeptics are going to debate, is that really you? What's happened to you? And you're going to say, I don't really know. But something has got a hold of my heart. I just feel like loving people for free. I just feel like forgiving people for free. And I feel like praying with people and seeing God do miracles. The critical and unbelieving will have a difficult time recognizing what you've become. If you really get a hold of this and be filled today, everybody, not just the guests, the neighbors and friends closest to you who have become so accustomed. You know what happens when you have problems in your life? And that's heartbreaking because I have, I've had problems in my life. You've had trials and situations with family, children, marriage different things but when you're in that condition for a long time and you respond only to the condition not with joy but that condition overwhelms you and you become anxious or depressed or cast down the people around you become accustomed to you that particular way they become accustomed to your condition so one day when you have a breakthrough and you wake up and, and, and you see things differently. And it shows on your face. And it shows in your demeanor. And it shows in your relational skills. People are like, people who have become accustomed to your condition don't recognize you anymore. It sure looks like that beggar. It sure looks like that blind man that begged all the time. But may not be him. You will recognize that God has radically transformed your thought process. Your attitude, your faith level, your lifestyle, your habits. Some of you are about to operate in boldness you've only dreamed about. I want to operate in more boldness than I have now. Maybe I'm a little bold now, but I want to be so bold. I want to get out of the box and do things only someone wild like Jesus can. Because he's wild. He left heaven to come and die for somebody like me. If that's not crazy wild, I don't know what is. God wants to use some of you in the gift of faith, the gift of healing. What if you went to a store or to fill a prescription in your doctor? What if you wanted to pick up some supplies? You prayed for somebody that was sick and they were healed. And they turned up in church and said, you, you were my customer for so long. That day when you touched me, something happened in my body. Who are you? I mean, well, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Bill. What, 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 what are you? What are you? I'm a Christian. Is that it? Yeah. That's what did it. I'm Bill, a Christian. Wow. Well, Bill, Christian, I want to have what you have. That's what Ruby Applebee's told me two weeks ago. She's a beautiful girl, and she converted to Islam. She became a Muslim because she married a Muslim. And I was sitting there eating. I was really minding my own business, just wanting to eat. And that's why God told me, your priorities need to change. You go to a restaurant to eat. What's up with that? And I'm like, normal people do, okay? People don't go to McDonald's to have a relationship. They go there to get some fries. 
preferably hot. Nobody goes to a drive-thru to talk about how the people working there are doing. He said, well, that's your problem. You go to a restaurant and all you do is eat. <laughs> that's what he told me. I'm not telling you all that. You probably don't do that. I still do. You go to a pharmacy, all you do is fill up your prescription. I'm like, what's wrong with you, God? He says, what's wrong with me? You've lost your sense of priorities. There are people all around you that need you. I've put something in you that they need. They need me and they need you to bridge me to them. But all you're doing is filling prescriptions, eating and living your own little old life. So these days, I go to CVS and I strike up conversations while they're filling my prescription. Ruby sat next to me at Applebee's a week ago, cried on my shoulder, and God said, now would be a good time not to order food. I'm like, I wasn't going to. Give me a break. <laughs> Jesus puts up with me, you know, he loves me. Shakes his head at me all the time. I can feel it. I can feel it. Very few times. It's Most of the time it's... It is. It's true. He looks at me. He goes, my God. What was I thinking? I said, Ruby, I don't know what it's going to cost you to, because you're Muslim. And I, I don't know all the, I told her my story. I was Hindu. and I came. She said, I just want peace. I'm so unhappy. And I began to pray with her boss wasn't around she received the Holy Ghost sitting at that bench she started speaking in tongues I was like Ruby she said what is that I said God's giving you the Holy Ghost I looked more shocked than she because you know sometimes you get so numb you don't expect God to turn up in a courthouse a courtroom or a hospital bed you expect him to come sliding down a rainbow with doves flying around him like it's a Cinderella story no, Jesus actually showcases his power more in the storms of our life than at any other time. He rolls up his sleeves and shows us his biceps on the billboard when we are in trouble more than when we are all okay. So he was there. She was getting the Holy Ghost. I said, Ruby, when do you get off? She said, five o'clock. I pick you up. Why? I need to baptize you. Okay. Ruby's baptized and got the Holy Ghost. She's still married to her husband, but she's been telling her husband, you got to get to that church or Vani needs to meet you. So he's, he's going to have a meeting with my husband soon. He said, okay, I'll meet your husband because you're so different. I want what you got. You're not miserable anymore. They're not going to see Jesus walking on water. Walking on the streets. They're just going to see you. That's it. See. When you go to these places. That's all they're going to see. You. And then through you. If you would. Open that veil. And show them a glimpse of Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's all that many of them are going to ever get to see. They're not going to see Jesus. Here. They're going to just see you. 
and that's all they're going to have. So I'm just captivated by a cause right now, which is what's making me emotional and speaking to you in a passionate way, is, is, is that I cannot eat and sleep normal anymore since this happened because everywhere I go, I have this thing gripping me even when I'm tired and exhausted and all I want to do is eat, order the food, eat, go home and mind my own business. There's a lot of business to mind, so I'm busy. I am. But I can't be anymore. I've got to pause. I've got to look people in the eye when I do groceries. I cannot pass people by and just see them as staff working in a, in a business. I gotta, I, nowadays I look people in the eye and they think I'm nuts, but I don't care. Nowadays I ask strangers, are you having a good day? Are you okay? Can I pray? Can I tell you my story in 10 seconds? You have a story to tell in 10 seconds? Sure you do. God wants to use you in the gift of healing to lay hands on the sick because all it takes for Salem is one major miracle of a man on a wheelchair that has come out because one of you happened to be at Walmart right behind that man and then he tells everybody that that bill christian prayed for me and i can walk and all of a sudden people are flooding in here and you you have to meet in the field because the basketball court doesn't hold anymore <laughs> gotta put up a tent because somebody's heard that the church without walls really is without walls But you gotta, gotta do one thing first, okay? You gotta stop doubting that God loves you just because you lose a job or you lose a relationship or you lose a marriage or you lose your health. You've gotta stop doubting that God loves you because God is about to move you to a position of greater provision right here. He's gonna leave your life so radically transformed that your friends won't recognize you anymore. Your spouse and your kids won't recognize you anymore. The Holy Ghost can bring such a deliverance that's so complete and so final that they will all debate it. Though that can't be my neighbor, I've never seen them so passionate about things before. I've never seen them so committed and discipled and disciplined. I've never seen them throw themselves into the kingdom of God. So, But then you're thinking, like, I've got two jobs and lots of bills to pay. And I've got problems. My kids don't worship with me. How do you expect me to just get with the program and I've got so much weighing on my mind? I don't know, really. I don't know what's going to fix your life. But I know one person that can take you beyond what's pulling you down and making you soar above your life. And you first need to understand the beginning of wisdom is to expect, accept responsibility for your own life's choices. Accept responsibility for your past and free yourself to move forward into the season of destiny. That means I stop blaming my parents for holding me back. I stop blaming the ex. 
I stop blaming whoever that may have rejected me, abused me, abandoned me or whatever. I've got to walk in forgiveness and move past what has tried to hold me back. Because I tell you what, my personal history as an idol worshiper, it sure ain't going to define my destiny. My, my, my history is not going to define your history. If you believe that your history no longer will define your destiny, whether it's a history of abuse, divorce, separation, ugliness, abandonment. If that's you, stand up. Only those that you have decided that your history is not going to define your destiny. It's not going to impact your destiny to the point where you freeze and you don't move anymore. Stop blaming parents, spouse, boss. Oh, the devil. The devil, all he can do is... Stand 10 feet next to you and lie to you. I'm going to kill you. You're going to kill your kids. I'm going to destroy your life. That's all he can do. He, only he can lie. He cannot touch your life. The keys of hell, death, and the grave belong to Jesus. He cannot touch your life. You are covered by the thick veil of his blood. All he can do is lie to you. And when you believe his life, you self-destruct. You self-destruct when only you believe his lies he cannot snatch you away I met a woman that day in counseling a precious woman she prays a lot but a lot has happened recently that she's she's gotten away from prayer and because her life has just gotten so bad that I really don't blame her for where she's at right now but she looked at me and she said sister Vani I'm convinced the devil's gonna kill my son son has been baptized got the Holy Ghost and I looked at her and I said no she said, well, no, no, he can lie to him. He can put obstacles in his path, cannot kill him. That's the word of God. That's not me. I didn't make it up and I'm not trying to pep you up like a coach or whatever, making you feel good. No, no. And I had to tell her that over and over again, period of many days before she got it and she received it. So make up your mind right now. Apostolic church. That your thoughts will be constructive and not destructive. Your mind will live in the solutions of the future and not the problems of the past. That you need to make some decisions this morning. And that I will never make excuses again. Excuses like if only my husband was more supportive. If he's not, what are you going to do? Stop? No, you're not. You're not going to stop. He's not supportive. Accept it and move forward. If only I live closer to the church. Well, you don't. What are you going to do? You don't. Accept it. Move forward. If only my kids were in school. If only I had more money. Well, you don't. I know I don't. Accept it. And move on. If only I had a better job. If only I was living in another city. Because this mindset was one that kept the Hebrew children in the wilderness for 40 years. Making an 11 day trip. Please. Please, my dear friends. Don't be someone who must always have someone else pushing you to do what is right. Get a hold of God in your heart that you will do right all by yourself just with Jesus. Because in the end, all you need is Christ and him crucified. Living in you, that's all you need. You don't need 20 friends around you trying to affirm you all the time. You have been affirmed. You are confirmed. You are 
sanctified. You are glorified. You are justified by the blood of Jesus. But what you need to do before you come up in front, and I give this to pastor, is this. I want you to start declaring, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and foes, came to eat my flesh, they stumbled, they fell. Even if a host should encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Even a war should rise up against me. In this one thing will I be confident. And one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. From the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. And now, and now, everybody shout, now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies. I'm done. <laughs> but I want to tell you something that happened to me, Pastor. Can I do that before we just end this? My father called me one year after I gave my life to Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost and was baptized. For one year, my parents had thrown me out of the house, so I lived in the house of a Christian church member. See how powerful the body is? They took me in, and I stayed in their basement apartment. It was very nice. It was, they took care of me, very good care of me. Never heard from my dad or mom. I would call Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays. They'd just hang up. One whole year, suddenly the phone rings and my dad calls me and says, he, he was a very wealthy businessman, and he said, something has happened in the business and it's, we made some mistakes and I don't know why, but I went to bed last night and I woke up and I suddenly realized in my, I had a dream when I went to bed, when I woke up in that dream, I saw you. And you were reaching for me. He didn't see Jesus in the dream. He wouldn't have understood. God knows where you're at. He knows where your kids are at. He knows where your spouse, your cousin, your co-worker, people you're trying to reach. He knows everybody in this community that, is, that, is, that doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. He can give them dreams and visions. And my father said, I dreamt of you and, and I felt compelled to call you. I said, Dad, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> to pump into the company but I know someone he said really you have you know a rich businessman I said I know someone who's an owner of the cattle on a thousand hills <laughs> my father the typical Indian businessman he looked at me he said you know a rancher I said no meet me at the church parking lot and I gave him the address he said I'm not coming to your church I said meet me at the parking lot. You know how we do it. All right, I know. Y'all are pretending that I'm the only one to trick people. That's fine. He came and he met me at the parking lot and he said, get in the car. I said, Dad, it's really hot here. You've got to shut off your engine to talk to me. It's going to be hot. But the church has air. He said, I am not 
coming into you. I already told you. I said, Dad, it's Tuesday afternoon. Evening, actually. Early evening later. I said, there's nothing going on there. It's, it's a mid, midday, midweek. It's not a Sunday. I really didn't know there was anything going on. I forgot Tuesday night was prayer meeting. No, I really forgot. I just, I don't know what happened. I know my, my father didn't believe me either. Um, he said, nothing is going. He said, Tuesday. We don't have church on Tuesdays. He said, okay. I said, there's air. Come on in. At least in the foyer. He came to the foyer. And I took him into the sanctuary. But right at the back, you know, where the Holy Ghost can't hurt us. So he sat right at the back. But as soon as he sat there, um, he was sitting right at the back. And about maybe five minutes later, a door opened on the side. And the prayer warriors all filed in. I looked at the prayer warriors. My dad looked at me. And I looked back at my dad. And I said, I didn't know this was, I promise you. I am, this is not bait and switch. They're not, don't worry, I'll protect you. You know how we do, we try to protect our friends from prayer warriors. So the prayer warriors didn't even come at the back to be with my dad. They were just walking up and down. And some of them were just little old ladies. You know, they were, one lady was about 80 years old, but she was the most prayer warrior of all the prayer warriors. You better be careful with Pentecostal old ladies. They just, they're like ninja. They come at you stealth-wise. All of a sudden, you're talking in tongues. You don't know what hit you. So that this old lady was walking up and down. She looked directly at me. And I looked at her and I went, go away. Don't come. Because we try to be overprotective over my dad. And I'm like, no. Please don't come near me. She ignored me. She just kept walking. And I'm like, oh, this is coming. She kept coming to me, coming to me. And she never even went near my father. She just coming to me and she said, is that a relative? And I'm like, it's my dad. And he's Hindu. And we don't want anyone laying hands on him. She said, baby, don't worry. And I'm like, it's, it's going to be really bad. She's told me not to worry. She went and stood behind my father quite a distance away. And just lifted a hand. Didn't say a word. She just whispered. There was no loud, dramatic, whatever. Just. My father had big tears. I looked at my dad. He was crying. And I was like, okay, what's going on? She just kept praying. She didn't touch him. She was just praying. He began to cry. I said, dad, are you okay? He said, what is that? I said, what's what? He said, what is that? And the little old lady looked at me and just smiled. I was like, Dad, that's God. And he said, that's, I can't stop crying. I feel my heart. There's something going on. And then that little old lady stepped up. And I don't know what signal she gave. There were two more intercessors that came from the... I'm telling you, man, this is like Navy SEALs. They were... They came and then they surrounded, they surrounded my father. They didn't touch him still. And the old lady just whispered in his ears and said, lift up your hands, sonny. God wants to fill you with his power. My dad lifted up his hands, stood up. And by the time he opened his mouth, he was beginning to speak in another tongue as the Holy Ghost filled him. 
We baptized him in Jesus' name that night. He went home. He got a hold of my two brothers. I'm the oldest in the family. My two younger brothers were just about to get ordained as Hindu priests. The following few months, my brothers were going to be ordained as Hindu priests. My, my father, who had the Holy Ghost, grabbed a hold of the two boys, told them, you need Jesus, brought them to the church. They got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Their wives got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Radical. Radical transformation. The world needs it. Salem needs you. They need you because you are a carrier. You're a carrier. Carrier of this power. Carrier of this Jesus. If you didn't want to be, you shouldn't have come and got the Holy Ghost. Well, it's too late now. You've got this Holy Ghost and you're a carrier. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sunday morning, same old, same old, go home. Football. And then Wednesday night. Same old, same old. No. No. No, these walls need to come down so that you can fill another basketball court with people that are hungry and dying at the same time. You're a carrier. So that means you're responsible. You are responsible. So now, this ex-Hindu temple, idolatrous sinner has told you that there is only one God. And you don't have to look for a temple to have access to him. But he's here right now. And he'll be in your home waiting for you in your prayer spot, closet, car, office, bedroom, living room. If you want this radical transformation, you can join me up in front. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like the ministry team to come, Pastor Gene's ministry team ministers to come. And but when you come, ministry team, would you face the congregation? If you are visiting with us today, I know Pastor Jean and Sister Jean and their ministry team enough to tell you that if you're visiting with us, you're like part of the family already. This truly is a church without walls. We want it to be. But if you're visiting with us and you want an encounter with this powerful God, please can you also come. We would love to just pray a blessing over you. A blessing over you. Let's come as close as possible. Let's lift up our hands all over the house. Father, I want not to be just contented with my lot. I don't want to be a church member anymore, God. I want to be the church. I want to be the spirit-filled carrier of your great power. I want to be a conduit of your great power. And the only way is if I'm radically transformed by your spirit. Not just this morning, but every day. 
I right now, God, as this church lifts up their hands, lifts up their voice, and cries out to you right now. Can we make, can we turn this into a big prayer meeting this afternoon? Let's have a prayer meeting right now. If there's a MIA here, if you've not been in church for a while and you've just come today, let somebody pray with you because you're a carrier. It doesn't matter how long you've been away. You're a carrier. Young people, you're a carrier of this glory, this power, these giftings, this prophetic anointing. You're a carrier.